Stop paying for low-return college degrees. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, welcome into 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into those real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Welcome to the 48 Days Radio Show. Here, our business partner today is Fresh Books. We'll be telling you a little bit more about a special offer from them in a minute. Here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. Dan, I'm a successful aerospace engineer, and I can't take it anymore. Uh, Dan, I earn over $100,000 yearly, and I hate my job. Seem to have a theme going here. How about this one? Dan, I owe nearly $300,000 in college loan debt, and I want to be the person where my cup is overflowing, which allows me to give freely to others. We're going to unpack that sad situation. How about this? Dan, if I get a career coaching, if I get career coaching and still don't get a job, I want you to pay for it. Well, interesting challenge. You'll see my response to that in a little bit here. We got some good news and a lot more questions if we get time for them. Got a poem from Cliff Feitner. One of our faithful members in the 48 Days Eagles growing community. Got a lot of exciting things going on there. Uh, This next week on the Monday Mentor Call, I'm going to be talking about just how to start a business. We have a lot of people that say, gee, I'd love to start something on the side, but I just don't know where to start. That's going to be our topic for this next Monday's call. Uh, If you want to check it out, just go to 48dayseagles.com. A lot of information there. We're going to have some special things that we're adding uh, over the next few weeks here as we lead into the beginning of a new year based on feedback we're getting there. So here's our Cliff Feitner poem. Is the job that you work a true calling or on your family's desires are you falling? Is your working location your true vocation or does your passion continue to be stalling? Well, Cliff does a great job of laying out some real life principles in his poems each week there. Thanks for that. Here's our quotation for the day. This comes from Napoleon Hill. You recognize the name as author of Think and Grow Rich, a book that I refer to frequently. Napoleon Hill said, both poverty and riches are the offspring of thought. Now just let that sink in a little bit. That's where both poverty and riches begin, is in our thinking. Think it and you start the road to the reality. Either way. So if you think you're going to be poor, your family's always been poor, that's your lot in life, guess what? You're going to always be poor. If you change your thinking, it can open the door to different kind of results. I want to talk to you a little bit about FreshBooks. You hear me talk about them repeatedly on here. You know, one of the things that I see people get in trouble with again and again and again are their finances. And today's questions are certainly a great example of that. Just out of control finances man, that's a challenge. And it doesn't matter if you are an employee or if you're working for yourself or you're a freelancer. I mean, it doesn't matter. You you need to stay on top of what's happening financially. Don't expect somebody else to come to your rescue and just take care of that. 
And don't end up being surprised when April 15th rolls around and you owe the IRS a lot of money. At the same token, April 15th shouldn't roll around and you get a big refund. That means you've just been loaning money to the government at no interest all year. You need to have a plan. FreshBooks can help you with that. You know, one of the things that they have that I think is really cool, you can link your FreshBooks account to your credit and debit cards. So the next time you, you know, expense that business lunch or tank of gas, it'll show up automatically in your FreshBooks accounts. So you don't forget those little things that are deductible that help reduce your end of the year tax obligation. Well, another thing, you know, if you work as a freelancer, that means you can have clients all over the world. You may have clients in England or France or Norway or Sweden. FreshBooks lets you send invoices in the currency that your clients work in. So it spares everyone the hassle of currency conversions. So if they owe you $650, you can have it automatically transition into their currency so they pay accurately. Wow, what a, what a cool kind of thing. Well, to claim your month-long unrestricted free trial, no credit card or anything required, to go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Now, we've got a long-standing relationship with FreshBooks. They're going to be one of our primary sponsors for the entire year next year. Already got that all laid out. They're thrilled. We're thrilled. So check them out. FreshBooks.com slash 48 days and then enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Now I got some good news stories here. Brennan Jones loves cutting hair, but there's one thing he loves even more cutting hair for the homeless. He's been at it for a while now, knows how much of a difference it can make in each person's life. In fact, he gives much more than haircuts as part of his haircuts for the homeless campaign in Philadelphia. According to Fox News there, Brennan says his haircuts are totally free. But additionally, he gives those people food, clothing, toiletries. I mean, he describes what he does as a makeover for the inside and outside, giving each homeless person a new look and newfound confidence. Now, there's a stranger who heard about Brennan's work and mission. A stranger was named Sean Johnson. He knew that Brennan was going to have a hard time doing that as we're going into the winter because he does this outside. I mean, he just sets up outside the homeless come by. So Sean has been blessed in what he's doing. So he just opened a new barber shop in the area where Brennan does his work with the homeless, set it up totally free for him, a barber shop where the people can come in there and still get the work done for free. I love it when somebody just sees something worthy being done and jumps on the bandwagon, wants to be part of it. I mean, that's the thing. If you're doing something worthwhile, something exciting, something has a clear cause, other people want to hook their wagon to your star. We see it happen again and again. Well, here's a cute story. A little girl asked for a day off for her dad. Dad works at Google. Here's what happened. Well, this is a little girl who hand wrote a letter to Google in blue crayon that read. Now, looking at the letter, I would guess it. My goodness, maybe she's four or five years old. I have to think about my own grandkids. When do they start writing real words? I suppose four or five years old. So she says, dear Google, can you please make sure when daddy goes to work, he gets one day off? Like, can he get a day off on Wednesday? Because daddy only gets a day off on Saturday from Katie. P.S. It's daddy's birthday Wednesday. 
Well, who could resist such a cute letter? Certainly not the uh, senior manager uh, who immediately wrote back a letter to Katie saying, Dear Katie, thank you for your thoughtful note and request. Your father has been hard at work designing many beautiful and delightful things for Google and millions of people across the globe. On the occasion of his birthday and recognize the importance of taking some Wednesdays off during the summer, we're giving him the whole first week of July as vacation time. Enjoy. So this was a few weeks back when this happened. And it's a, it's a real it's a real letter. You know, sometimes you th- see these things, you pop up in their urban legends, but this has been verified from Google. What a cute thing. Little girl writes a note and the boss says, sure, let's go beyond what she's asking. Give him a whole week off. Love that. Here's a note. Taylor Swift finds a bullied teen online who's uh, singing her songs. So she invites him over to her house. Now, this is a college freshman named... Juan Givens, uh, Taylor Swift, was really a life-changing individual and role model for him. He heard her hit song, Shake It Off, and he began breaking out of his own shell and not caring what other people thought of him. It says, after years of relentless bullying, it was just what he needed. Now, this is somebody who had been bullied a lot, but he started doing covers of Taylor's songs, especially this one, Shake It Off, wrote his own song, put it up on YouTube, you know, put it on Facebook. And all of a sudden he woke up, wow, on November 1st, 2017. So just a few days ago, he woke up and he saw that Taylor Swift liked his post. Now that liking his post turned into an invitation to a private event with other super fans. Taylor's really good about connecting with her fans. And so she invited a hundred of her super fans. Now th- this is You know, I mean, this is not people who had invested big bucks in sponsoring her or buying her, just super fans, just people who love her music, people who talk about it. She invited a hundred of them to her mansion on Rhode Island. And you can, you can check that out. You can see the video, see her house if you want to, but pretty cool. She invited and, you know, just changing people's lives by giving them hope, giving them encouragement for what they're doing. Yeah, I think it's, I still think it's pretty cool. And I, you know, celebrities get a lot of flack, a lot of criticism. I think it's pretty cool when somebody has done well. You know, we, we've got one of our neighbors. Here's Luke Bryan. And, you know, there was a special. Robin Roberts did a special with him just a few nights ago, uh, just before the CMA Awards. But, you know, he had a both a brother and a sister who have died. Just really unexpected occurrences. And then his sister's husband died of a heart attack having three children well luke and his wife took those three children in as their own i mean just a heartbreaking story but you know celebrities have hearts as well and there's some really really good people certainly in the music industry and a lot of other industries as well but uh, we want to give them credit where credit is due taylor's one of those luke is certainly one of those and there's lots of others Well, let's get into the questions. This comes from Rebecca, who says, she titled it From Space to Earth. Dan, um, she says, because she followed the principles in 48 Days to the Work You Love, she got her foot in the door with SpaceX, which she's tried to do for five years without success. 
Um, I'm an aerospace engineer. I've wanted to become one since I was 11 years old and visited NASA. I've worked toward the degree, very tough, but I did it. However, there were red flags, flags along the way. I didn't like any of the classes. I thought everyone was in the same boat, but I realized I was wrong. Since graduating, I've had three types of aerospace engineering jobs. They were in design, hardware test, and now developing technical training. However, I feel truly disconnected. All my positions have been very isolating with eight hours at the computer, silent, by myself, with minimum interaction with anyone. I can't take it. I need to talk to people, share and discuss ideas, and be part of a team. Outside of work, I enjoy being outdoors, hiking, climbing, trail running, and any other activity I can learn. In between jobs, I got a job at an outdoor outfitter store and loved it. I interacted with customers, showed my enthusiasm, got them excited for their adventures, gear, and their newfound knowledge. To tell you the truth, I'd love to be working in the outdoor industry full time. I'm just not sure in what capacity. You know, park ranger, store manager. I just can't sit idle at my job feeling like I'm not making an impact and letting my life dwindle. I just have to admit that and move on. One thing that's holding me back on making the move is the pay. I love that in your podcast, you state profitable along with meaningful and fulfilling, but the positions I've looked at are about a $30,000 cut in pay. I don't know what to do about that. Maybe it's something I have to accept. Is it? By the way, I signed up for Amazon Merch, currently waiting to get in. I have several design ideas. Rebecca. Well, Rebecca, you're on the right track. I love how clear you are about what it is you do enjoy. Now, I would be careful about just assuming that you have to leave your whole career in aerospace engineering in order to be outside, in order to talk to people, share ideas, and be part of a team. I mean, those are the things that you describe. Certainly, in the position you have now to just be stuck in a cubicle all day violates what you know about yourself and your personality. That's really clear. But I I would be... I'd encourage you to do some exploring within that profession before you just walk away from that. Now, knowing that you like being outdoors, sure, ultimately, you want to have a position that allows you to do that. I mean, just be committed to that, something that allows you to be outdoors a lot. But I'm not sure that you cannot do that as an aerospace engineer. I would get real creative about looking for positions that give you more flexibility and more opportunity to do just that. Now, ultimately, could you work at an outdoors shop? You know, um, golly, one of the big academy sports places, you know, one of those places that just helps people with their outdoor gear. Yeah, you can do that, but that's really going to be a reduction. I'm not sure that that's necessary. I mean, ultimately, could you do that as a core career and then do something on the side to make up a difference in your income like Amazon merch? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do on the side to make up that extra $30,000. But I, I, I think you ought to look for both and solutions here rather than either or. I don't think this is a situation where you have to say, well, either you just stay at this you know, job that's sucking the life out of you or you just leave that and go off and do something totally unrelated to your background and your degree. Nah, I'm not ready to go there. Be creative. I mean, when we say aerospace engineer, there's thousands of jobs with that title and they don't all require just sitting in a cubicle. Start with that. Be committed to find a job that embraces what it is you're looking for. That 
idea of being outdoors, able to talk to other people, share ideas, be part of a team. Start with that first. Give yourself, give yourself 90 days to just really have fun and explore the opportunities within that that would give you the both of best that you're looking for. Great question. Yeah, don't, don't settle for less than getting that figured out. Well, this comes from Alan. Alan says, Dan, I earn over 100000 a year and I hate my job. I've been working as a collision repair technician for over 22 years. I'm very good at my job, but I've completely lost all passion for what I do. In the past four years, I've changed places of employment 11 times, and I'm just not happy anywhere I go. My wife and I have followed Dave Ramsey's plan and have been debt-free except for the house for over a year. The original goal was to get out of debt so I could free myself from the change of this career. I'm now finding it difficult to abandon the, the fantastic income. Plus, I really have no idea what I want to do or what my true purpose is. I'm currently commuting two hours daily and dread going to work every day. Do you have any advice for me? Sincerely, Alan. Yes, Alan, I do. Wow. Again, I love the clarity that you're talking about. You're so clear on what it is you don't like. You know, this is a good example. A lot of times the jobs that we have early in our careers, the primary value of those is just to help us understand what we don't want to do. But in identifying what you don't want to do, you ought to become clear and clear on what it is you do want to do. Now, that's the first starting point in what you're talking about here. You have got to get clear on your purpose, on your why. You say you have no idea what your true purpose is. You have to get clear on that. The, the great news is you ought to have, an, have had enough life experience in what you described that you can look back on that and get some real clear indicators as to what that why is. What are those times? What is it in doing work that you really did enjoy? You're clear on what it is you did not enjoy, but certainly there are things in there that you did. What about other activities, ways that you've been involved in the community, your church, your family, you know, the, around the world? You know, what are the things that when you're doing them, time just really flies by? But you've got to get clear on what it is that you are moving to, not just what you're moving from. Now, your question brings up a really important concept. And I want to just insert this here a little bit because I know it will address the feelings that a whole lot of you listening are having. That has to do with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This was back in the 1950s or so where he developed this, Abraham Maslow, and he developed this hierarchy of needs that a lot of you probably have seen in Psych 101 in college, where it's a pyramid and at the very bottom there's safety, then coming up security, the next one is belonging, then esteem, then self-actualization. Now here's what Maslow found. He found that a whole lot of people who are doing pretty well are just not that happy. They know there's something more. That's exactly what you're describing, Alan. You're making over $100,000 yearly. I mean, a lot of people look at that and say, my gosh, why are you complaining? You know, shut up and keep doing what you're doing. Well, you know that there's some kind of angst. There's some kind of sense that something's missing. This is not your purpose. You're just going through the motions. A robot could do that, you know, to get a paycheck. You don't want to do that. And I, I'm, I'm all with you. I, I'm certainly not going to tell you to just stay there, but I'm going to tell you to stay there until you get a clear plan of what you're moving to. Now, can you go out into something else? 
having been a collision repair technician for 22 years, can you move into something else and replicate that $100,000 income? Yeah, absolutely. If you create a clear plan, you'll be able to waltz into that, hold your head high, do it with confidence. But what you're dealing with is moving up that pyramid. So you've addressed, now this is, this is how the, the pyramid goes. And Abraham Maslow thought that we have to address the needs at the lowest level first before we can move up and address the next one. So at the very bottom, safety or physiological kind of needs. I mean, just knowing that we have food and water and air. I mean, those are things, if you don't have those, that's all that consumes your thinking. But then when you have those taken care of, then the next one is security. You know, making sure that you're okay. This sometimes plays out in job security or having savings accounts or insurance policies or disability a policy in place. The security of knowing that, hey, you're okay. You've got a place to sleep tonight. You're not going to be, you know, homeless sleeping on the streets. So we have safety and security. The next one is social belonging. I mean, that's the third level of human needs, that interpersonal uh, needs to be connected to some group, to know that other people think you're okay. Following that is esteem, you know, the need to be respected, the, the need to know that you're doing something that's important, that's significant. But then, then he moves into the highest level in this pyramid was called self-actualization. This is kind of comes from that quotation, what a man can be, he must be. I mean, this, it refers to that desire that we all have to really live out our full potential, to really be what God created us to be, to be fully alive. I mean, that desire to accomplish everything that we can, to become the most that we can be. That's what you're dealing with in this question, Alan, is that you're making money you know you can do the work, but you're not feeling like you're being all you can be. But you got to figure out what, the, what would that look like. Now, there is an actual higher level. In later years, Maslow was critical of his own work because he realized there was something even beyond that. And that's called transcendence, which is a term that I love. I mean, that refers to the very highest you know, level of, of, of being, of, be, of being and relating and behaving. Um, where, you know, there are times when in doing, well, and there are times in doing my work in times of coaching with people where something happens that I know goes beyond my intelligence, my knowledge and understanding, you know, to approach it from a spiritual aspect, you know, just a, a time of God's anointing where there's something just magical that happened and the lights coming on and somebody's life being transformed. I mean, there are times where that goes so far beyond just me being prepared, knowledgeable, well-read as a coach. It goes beyond that transcendence. Wow. That's something that we experience. We may experience, you may call it a peak experience. You may experience it for five or 10 minutes. So it's not an all the time kind of thing, but if you have times of that in your work, then it really confirms you're probably doing what you were born to do. Everybody's looking for that. And that's the common thing that is a theme with certainly people, people that I coach. It's not that they're struggling. You know, it's, it's not somebody who lost a job at, at Burger King yesterday. You know, it's people just like Alan here who are making a hundred thousand dollars a year, 200, 300. They're saying, yeah, there's something missing. 
That's why I often work with dentists, physicians, attorneys, pastors, people like that, who say, everybody sees me as successful, but I know I'm off track. There's more than just this. That's a worthy goal to address that. Look at what you already know about yourself. Understand your unique skills and abilities. Understand your unique personality traits. How do you relate to other people? What kind of environments work best for you? How do you manage others? How do you sell? How do you persuade? I mean, those things give you more and more insight. And then embrace the things you know about yourself in terms of passions, dreams, goals. I mean, those are all things that should be able to be brought together then ultimately in work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. So you're on the right track, and I'm confident you can do this, but you need to start with your why. You need to start there. Then you can move in to the how. All right, this comes from Aaron. I got a very, very lengthy note from Aaron. I'm just going to share a couple of little tidbits here. But Aaron has a um, long background with a lot of training. He says, in the Army, I've been a logistics surgeon, the leading air traffic controller and trainer in my state, and now a chaplain candidate as I decided to become an officer. In my civilian contracts and jobs, I've been in sales, oil and gas, landman, business consulting, community mental health, case management, licensed counseling, coaching, recruiting, construction, anything else to make sure my family had an income. In ministry, I've been every level of pastor at one time or another. I've even cleaned toilets and been the maintenance supervisor just to be part of the church that I wanted to serve. Regardless, I've done what I needed to make sure my family is taken care of. Currently, I work some side gigs speaking and writing different curriculum. While full-time, I'm the state suicide prevention program manager for the Oklahoma Military Department. Got a great position, certainly something worthwhile to be serving in that position. But, Aaron goes on, the problem I have is multi-layered. First, I only want to be working in my own business at this point and focus on the things I dream about and believe one day will be true. He goes on, I always believe God is always going to be part of my story, regardless of what kind of speaking request I receive. Uh, hence the coaching pastor title. I want to write, coach, have online products, do live events, and simply be around other high caliber positive people day to day. I recently did a death snowball and about and am trying to work the Dave Ramsey process. In doing so, now this is where it gets really, really painful. In doing so, I realized my college debt is way out of control. Between my wife and I, both going to private Christian schools for a bachelor and master's degree, I owe nearly $300,000 in college debt. This is no one's fault but my own as we tried to use school money from time to time to stay afloat as we both juggled full-time school with part-time jobs. The worst thing is transitioning to be in a military chaplain has forced me back into school for a second master's degree in theology to satisfy the military requirements. All right, now he goes on with other things. I'm going to stop right there. Aaron, you have got to stop the hemorrhaging with your school loans. I mean, you can't justify getting another master's degree, especially in theology. I mean, a master's degree in theology, now, and, you, and you say, you know, you're moving up to be an officer in the military. How are you going to make that work with this kind of debt hanging over your head? I mean, certainly we could defend your choice to do that, but I don't think you have that choice, frankly. 
I think you need to get out of the military and start addressing this. If you're going to responsibly ever take care of this $300,000 school loan debt that you've got, it's not going to work there. Now, again, I say this, you know, with, with all compassion, but listed as you you say, you're going back to school again, adding more school loan debt to get a master's degree in theology. What is a master's degree in theology positioning you to do? Now you say you want to be an officer. Okay. That's one thing, but a college degree, a master's in theology is listed as number five on the eight college degrees with the worst return on investment. It's number five. The average income for somebody with a master's degree in theology is $47,957. Now, military chaplains, it's going to vary depending on, you know, your, your rank, but the average pay for a military chaplain is $38,000 to $58,000 a year. I mean, you can go to Home Depot and make that. You can be a manager at a Taco Bell and make that. I mean, there's just nothing to give you much leverage in doing that. Now, you, you have to have, and this is a tough kind of thing. It's tough for me to talk about it, but I feel the pain of the situation you're describing. Your heart and your head have to work together. You're not in a position to just serve others, even if that's the desire of your heart. You have to figure out a way to address the financial challenge you've created. Now, you say that you want to write, coach, have online products, do live events, and be around high caliber, positive people every day. I mean, you, you've touched on some things there that can do exactly what you want them to do. But let me give you an example. We, we have the 48 days online seminar. So it's the principles for 48 days laid out. It's $297. Do you think we could possibly enroll a thousand students next year, 2018? Well, yeah, I do. You know, we've built up a reputation for that Brand name, the 48 Days to the Work You Love process. People know it works. We get testimonials every day. 297 is way less than my personal coaching, but it walks right through. There are 48 videos for me in there, so it walks people through the process. But in that scenario, if we do enroll 1,000 students next year, and I'm, I'm not talking about you know 200,000, I'm talking 1,000 students, well, that's $297,000. I mean, that's an example where that one thing would indeed wipe out the student loan that you've got. And we've got stories of people launching courses every day. Vincent Puglisi with his um, photography course. Wow. You know, $44,000 first weekend of the launch. Another friend here in town with another photography course, incidentally, Um, David Molnar. You know, I know for a fact that he brought in over $50,000 last month with that course having nothing to do with his own personal photography or other things that he's doing coaching, just the course. So yeah, there's possibilities there, but those are the kind of things you're going to have to put legs on if you're going to want to make this work. Anna Powers, one of our 48 Days Coaching Mastery uh, coaches who uh, we just certified Anna, just a delightful gal. She generated over $100,000 by the 1st of October this year in her side business of coaching and copywriting. And that was while also having a full-time job as an attorney with a firm. 
So there are possibilities. I'm not saying your situation is impossible at all, but I'm saying you got to do things other than what you're describing. You can't just go back to school and get another master's degree and be a military chaplain and work your way up to being an officer. You don't have that option at this point. You've got to do something more realistic to address this. You're never going to see the light of day financially again. I mean, there was a time when I was in a similar situation where I woke up one morning and realized I was $430,000 in debt, more than what you describe here. I mean, and I, and between the IRS and creditors, I mean, they took everything. I had nothing but the shirt on my back. Now, I, at the time, was very employable. I mean, hopefully it still could be. If I want. But I mean, I was employable. I could have gotten a position at the university teaching, making $60,000, $70,000 a year. But I saw that it's not going to work. I can't raise a family with three children, make $60,000, $70,000 a year, and address a debt of $430,000. It's not going to work. I have to do something that's way more open-ended. And that's exactly what I did. So I never for a nanosecond considered going to get a job. I knew I was going to have to jump in the game, do something creative, non-traditional in order to generate the money required to get me out of that horrendous mess that I had created. Now, one of the things I did was take a commission only position with a company where I just went door to door selling. Uh, That helped me generate significant income pretty quickly. And then I started to build the kind of things that I'm doing today, coaching, speaking, writing, creating courses, kind of things you're identifying. Sure. And those are the things that ultimately, you know, accelerated my income exponentially so that I was able to address all that debt and start walking out a new chapter of my life. But you know, we, we serve best. I, I, I commend your heart of service, but we serve best from a full cup. I mean, we all want that spirit of generosity in doing great work. I mean, they're all, we ought to have a heart of service in what we do. It's not to become cold and callous and just make money. Not at all. I want you to serve, but you serve best from a full cup to keep great, doing great work. We can't be starving. I mean, being very, very profitable means that I get to continue serving people well without having my family go hungry, without having to ask for donations. I mean, the first duty of an artist and using the term artist in whatever we do to serve others well, the first duty of an artist is to make enough money so you can continue to make your art. I mean, even if we relate that to literal, visual art, you know, a lot of artists, we hear about the starving artists. Well, they, they don't understand. You don't do, you don't create art to make money. You make money so you can continue creating art. If that's your call, your gift, your talent to do art, then in order to continue doing that, figure out how to make money from your art. So you can continue doing that. So you don't just paint yourself into a corner. Well, Hey, that's, that's what we, what you need to do. Alan, you can do this, Aaron, you you can walk out of this, but it's going to take a clear plan with a real strategic plan about how to address this financial situation. You can do it. Hey, keep me posted on your progress. Well, that's an opportune time to jump in there with a little bit of a breather. Great question. Boy, my heart breaks when I hear situations like this. So, so common. Seems so easy to do at the time. Just looking forward Hey, sign your name to the next student loan. 
knowing that in the future, things are going to be better. Well, the future shows up all on its own. The future shows up really quickly. And it's not an easy thing to address. Man, I see college kids coming out who would love to go spend a year in some kind of a volunteer ministry somewhere. They can't do that. Those student loans become due really quickly. You have to start paying back. They don't have the option to do that. They don't have the option to follow their heart's desire. They don't have the option to take a year off and just bike around the country if they want to, because they back themselves into a quarter financially. I mean, my philosophy was I'm an old farm kid. When I went to school, I, my philosophy was they, if I don't have the money, I can't afford to go. So I worked. Yeah, I went to school. I went to a lot of schooling, but at every step of the way, I funded it by work that I was doing. I mean, initially, you know, as a farm kid, wow, I could live really inexpensively. You know, I never lived in a dorm, never lived on campus. Golly, when I went to school, I mean, Joanna and I got married really young. We bought a little a trailer that we lived in. It was in a trailer park right on the edge of Ohio State University campus. So it was all students there. It was a really cool setup. But we paid $1,245 for the trailer that we lived in for the four years that we were there. 1245 bucks is what I paid. You know what our rent was? Because we had to rent, we had to pay rent to park it. And so our, to our park, the parking fee where we had it in the trailer park, along with our water and sewer, it was $27 and 50 cents a month. That was our overhead. Of course I had paid for, I didn't have any anything owed on the trailer had paid for that in cash. So our overhead was $27.50 a month. That's how I went to school. I joined, got a job at University Hospital at Ohio State. So she made more than enough money to cover all of our expenses and anything that I needed in additional books and things. But we just covered it. That was the only option we gave ourselves. Then I was out of school for four years before I went back and got my master's degree. And so when I went back and got my master's, I sold the Jag XKE that I had. I sold the house that we had purchased and took the equity on that. We lived on that for two years while I got my master's degree. Well, and in addition, I got a teaching assistantship at the university, so it waived all my tuition fees. So I didn't have any cost in that. We lived in a house. You know how we lived in a house during that period of time? <sighs> We met a lady who had a house. I had seen the house. It was near campus, walking distance of campus. The yard was enormously overgrown, you know, shoulder high weeds, sidewalks grown over and the whole thing. I contacted the landlord and said, I'd be willing to clean that house up in exchange for rent. Her first response was, nah, you know, I talked to her on the phone. She said, no, I've had a bad experience renting to college kids. I'm, it's our original home for my husband and I. We're just going to keep it. The next morning, I showed up on her doorstep, knocked on her door with my wife and little baby that we had. Well, you know where that led. After a brief conversation, we were in that house. She loved us. We loved her. We lived in that house for the two years that we were there. I never paid a penny rent because I worked it off. I remodeled inside, uncovered three beautiful old fireplaces and got them working again. You know, uncovered those sidewalks, uncovered the patio and back, cleaned things up, did some landscaping, painted inside. We did all that work to bring the place back to life as a beautiful home, but it was an exchange. I did the work, so I didn't have any money invested in rent. That's how I got my master's degree. 
then it was 18 years before I started my doctoral program. And by then, I was pretty well established as a coach. So again, did that in a way that I didn't, again, didn't live on campus, just paid for the classes as I went through my doctoral program. But I, 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 there are so many creative ways to do this. It just is not necessary to get this horrendous amount of student loan debt that I hear about. I've never yet met somebody who was happy they took out student loans. The only people I meet regret that they ever did that because of the hole that it digs for them. Well, again, you're listening to real life questions here. I hit that transmission music because that's where I usually tell you if you have a, a question you want to submit, have us discuss it here. I'd be delighted to do so in an upcoming episode. Just send that to askdan at 48days.com. You can go to the 48 Days site, click on a podcast and see a way there that you can, in fact, just leave an audio message if you want or submit it there. But the simplest way that most people use is just send an email to askdan at 48days.com. All right. I got one last, it's not really a question. Well, it is a question. Here's the deal. Brian asked me, this has been several weeks ago, where he said he purchased 48 Days to the Work You Love, regular listener of the podcast. He says he finds it very frustrating that when he hears me say that if anyone wants a job, they can have one. Now, I talk about that a lot. I talk about the fact that here in Williamson County, now I know this is a unique place where I live. Williamson County was just again ranked seventh in the nation in terms of wealthiest counties. So it's the seventh wealthiest county in the nation. I suppose that has something to do with it. But I mean, there are, we're hiring signs everywhere you go. And I'm I'm not talking about $7.50 an hour jobs. I'm talking about, you know, anybody is going to start paying you, you know, 16, 18 bucks an hour. Well, and I know that I know that unemployment right now is at a 30-year historic low. I mean, we're hovering around 4%, which we consider 5% to be full employment. There's always going to be at least 5% of people who are in between opportunities or figuring out something new on their own. 4% is unhealthy to be that low. Thus, every company is begging for people to come on board. So I just, I really don't understand this idea of people not being able to find any kind of job at all. So anyway, Brian says he finds that frustrating, you know, he says, yeah, you're correct in the sense that if you want a low paying job with no benefits, there are plenty to be found. However, I've been looking for three years now to find a job and he hasn't been able to, to do that. So he's, he's convinced I can't prove it, but I believe it's age discrimination. Now, this was his note from a couple weeks ago. I'm 53 years old and an experienced web developer and user experience designer. I've applied for many jobs, interviewed for some, and still haven't received a single offer. Now, what I did then is I responded back that we can identify where the breakdown is. If nobody's even giving you an interview, we need to look at your resume. You know, refine the interview refine the resume, do a better job on that. If the resume is getting you interviews and you've done four or five interviews without getting a job offer, boom, we can stop right there. Something is sabotaging you in the interviewing process because you can't do four or five interviews in today's workplace and environment and not get a job offer unless people ultimately are saying, we don't want this guy on our team. So I'm just being bought about that. So here's the deal. Brian takes issue with that. He doesn't like my responses to that. He says, if I'll, if you'll pardon my boldness, so check this out. He's going to challenge me. I'm going to challenge you on this. 
here's what I propose. I'll work with a career coach, either of your choosing or mine, to improve my job search strategy, resume, and interviewing skills. If I get a reasonable paying job in my field within three months, I'll pay for the career coach and give you whatever endorsements you would like. If not, you pay for the career coach and admit that there may be something to the age discrimination theory. All right. So are you willing to accept the challenge? Well, here's my response, Brian. Heck no. Now, those of you listening may have thought, well, yeah, I'm going to step. Well, heck no, I'm not going to do that. For one thing, there's a built-in incentive for you to not get a job. I mean, you, you, to start with, you ought to reverse the challenge. If you get a job, I'll pay for the coaching. So you have two wins for you. If you don't get a job, you have to pay for the coaching as well. I mean, thus we have a motivation that increases for you. If in getting a job, I also pay for the coaching. So, you know, we we can't have it both ways where you've got a built-in incentive to not get a job because then I'm going to have to pay for the coaching that you already got. Well, I'm not going to set myself up to that. Now, here's the other thing. I mean, I love your boldness on this. I I really do. I I love a challenge. I love your boldness. But that's not a challenge I'm willing to take responsibility for. I mean, it still comes down to you. And I can't control your personality, your interviewing skills, your attitude, your level of belief. Hang no, I'm not going to take that challenge on. And here's the deal. I'm still totally committed to my position that being 53 years old is not the obstacle. All right, there we got it. Take it as you take it as you will. Well, hey, I hope this has been beneficial for you. We're going to end there. Um, the uh, I, I hope that the the choices that we've given you, you know, the resources, the mindset. I mean, a lot of this is mindset. It really is. It's mindset to believe that you can move forward, to see opportunities that others are not seeing. Hey, if you earn over $100,000 a year, recognize what you're looking for is self-actualization or transcendence. You know you can earn money, but you know it's not enough to just get paid well for doing something that you or your heart's not in it. Man, that's a worthy process. That's a, And right now, what a wonderful time to be doing that with unemployment so low and people begging for new people coming on. When you can put yourself in the driver's seat, to know that you want to continue making $100,000, but you want to do something new. But you got to figure out what your purpose is, your why, so you're clear on what you're moving to, not just what you're moving from. And if you've backed yourself into a corner with student loan debt, man, my heart breaks for you. Figure out a way how to do something creative to get out of it. You're, you're probably not going to be able to get a job and ever make your life work financially. It, they just there's there's too much against you now it's possible yeah it's possible but i think it's a lot easier to figure out something to do on your own maybe in addition to a core career be confident you can do it make yourself a 10-year plan if you have to i mean a 10-year plan with 300,000 it's over $30,000 a year i mean oh my gosh but do something where you get as dave ramsey would say a big shovel so you can get yourself out of that And am I going to pay for coaching for you to not get a job? Nope. I'm not going to work. 
Well, anyway, love the interaction with you all, the listeners. Thanks for being part of this growing community where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful. You know what's coming next and profitable. Absolutely. Make it profitable. Serve from a full cup. The world will be better for it. <laughs>